And today is a very special day in the life of the church globally. It's called Pentecost Sunday. And you are welcome to be with us. I'd like to welcome all those who have been watching on for the last uh, couple of months. And especially for those who are joining us for the very first time this morning, you are most welcome. Last week I spoke about the powerful significance of the Feast of Passover and its connection to Pentecost. Uh, This Passover has been an extraordinary time. And uh, if you listen to last week's message, you'll find out how uh, Passover and Pentecost are very much connected. Uh, This Pentecost is also very significant, with an increased global expectancy that God is going to do something uh, throughout the church in the nations. And we know that he needs to. Uh, But this one is different because we've been in lockdown And uh, I know that many, many people have revisited the importance of the Passover and its connection to the Lord's Supper and to the communion that we celebrate. And we have this strong sense that God is doing something in the earth. In fact, we believe that we have entered into at Passover an incredible new season in God. So last week, as I introduced this subject, I explained that nothing related to the kingdom of God can happen on the earth without the role of the Holy Spirit. I think this is very important because we can see the Holy Spirit as a force in the church, or we can see him as an energy, but he's far, far more than that. In fact, the Holy Spirit is God, and equally God with Jesus, and equally God with the Father. Uh, So this morning we want to talk about his involvement in the church. The church is the body of Christ on the earth. And the church, uh, it's Jesus paid for the price of the church and sealed that, uh, you know, his payment with his own blood on the cross. The church was firstly seen prophetically in Genesis chapter 28. And I want to go there just for a moment. Uh, Genesis chapter 28 verse 11. So uh, this is talking about Jacob. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and took it and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to the heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. At this stage, he had not become the God of Jacob. I am the God, the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie... I will give to you and to your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west, to the east, to the north and to the south. And in you and your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I'm with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it and he was afraid and he said how awesome is this place this is none other than the house of God this is the gate of heaven this is an old testament picture of the church a prophetic picture if you like and in Acts chapter 7 verse 38 Uh, The scripture also mentions the church in the wilderness. In other words, that was the Old Testament church in the wilderness that Moses was leading. In Colossians chapter 24, verse 26, it talks about the mystery of the church that was hidden in the ages but revealed to the saints. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. 
The church was also revealed in the Gospels to, uh, to Peter, and that is in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15, where Jesus asked Peter a critical question, and he said, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And, and uh, Peter said, Well, some say Jeremiah, uh, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, or others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But Jesus zeroed right in on him and he said, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And this is really the first time that Jesus ever mentions the church in the New Testament. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven... And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I want you to know this morning that uh, Jesus has great plans for his church the body of Christ on the earth. And in 1 Colossians, it talked about how this has been a hidden mystery from age to age and even from generation to generation. And in every generation, God has a plan and it involves his people and his church. And the Holy Spirit is at work in the church. In other words, it was a picture given to Jacob back there in Genesis chapter 28, uh, but God has been unfolding the church and making the, you know, the purpose of the church known to the church, to the people of God ever since. And God has got an incredible plan, and I believe that he's going to do something absolutely incredible in this season ahead. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning. I pray, Lord God, that you would open up uh, your word uh, to people this morning. I pray, Father, for hearts to hear. I pray, Lord God, that you'd give the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And Lord God, uh, understanding, Father, that you would pray, open the eyes of our understanding that we'd be able to see, Lord God, what it is you want and your incredible plans and purposes for the church in the days ahead. Father, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And I wanted to read from Acts chapter 2, which talks about the day of Pentecost, the birthing of the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This morning I want you to know that it is really important that we know the Holy Spirit, that we have a relationship with him. And it is also important that we know that he is God just as much as Jesus and just as much as God the Father. He is amazing to say the least and his works are on the page of or every page of the scripture. He is God the Holy Spirit. When Jesus met the woman at the well in John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman, he began to reveal the Father in heaven. And he said this, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He actually said the hour is coming when those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And you know, I, when I look at the scriptures, I believe there is a progressive truth. In other words, 
When Jesus said to this woman, he was speaking to her about the now, but he was also speaking prophetically about the future. I'm talking about this because I want us to know this morning that this is a very important Pentecost. This is a very important day in the calendar of the year. And that the role of the Holy Spirit is vital and critical to the church. In fact, there is no church without the Holy Spirit. We could actually be saying we are celebrating today the birthday of the church. Because, you know, when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the upper room, what had been prophesied in the past had now become a reality on planet Earth. That is how important this is. So the role of the Holy Spirit is absolutely critical. It's funny, a couple of years ago I was going uh, off um, to a conference in Sydney and we drove out through uh, Canberra and on the way I stopped uh, for a cup of coffee and we were just in front of a little country church and there was a gardener working away there and this little church looked just beautiful. And I'm often captivated by little church buildings that were once full but now have very little congregations and I'm captivated by the concept and I talked to him about that church and he told me how you know uh, back 40 50 years ago that that was a thriving hub in the community and I really believe that this is the fact that many of those little country churches were like the hub in the community uh, but now you know, the crowd is gone. And uh, this has been a little bit of a, uh, a question or a conversation that I've had with the Holy Spirit. And as we drove on towards Sydney, it was like uh, I asked the Holy Spirit and said, what happened? And he said to me, I left the church long before the people did. And I believe this is where we've made critical mistakes along the way. When the Holy Spirit departs, the church ceases to exist as what it was really intended. I also have watched over the years as, uh, you know, different ones have chosen not to embrace the life of the Holy Spirit in the church. I believe this can be fatal, to not embrace the Holy Spirit or embrace his fullness as was intended can be a costly decision. This is a reality. Unless our spirit is made alive on the inside by the Spirit of God, we cannot connect with Him. You know, I believe this is the great challenge of the church today, and it would be for you and certainly for me, is that I know that God is real. And according to the scripture that I just read from John chapter 4, God is spirit, how do I connect with him? And this is where really we need to know, one, that God is a spirit, that on the inside of me, I have a human spirit, and it takes the Holy Spirit for me to be able to relate to God the way that he intended. I want to read from... Uh, John chapter 3 verse 1 this morning it said there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus a ruler of the Jews this man came to Jesus by night and said to him rabbi we know that you are a teacher come from God for no one can do, do these signs unless God is with him and Jesus answered and he said to him most assuredly I say to you that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus said to him, how can, this, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And Jesus said to him, Do not marvel that I have said to you, You must be born again. 
And, uh, you know, this is central to our relationship with God, that every person who comes to God, like this man Nicodemus, looking for the answer of how to connect with God, Jesus gave it to him here. And it is this, that you must be born again. In fact, the great evangelist of last century who passed away just a couple of years ago, Dr. Billy Graham, uh, Someone asked him one day and he said, said to him, Reverend Graham, why is it that you say that you must be born again? Why do you say that so much? And his answer was very simple and straight to the point. He said, because you must be born again. You must be born of the flesh and you must be born again to be able to see the kingdom of God and to enter the kingdom of God. And this morning... You know, if you are unsure about that, maybe you are growing in your awareness of who God is, then you can be born again. And, it, and it's like you open the, the door of your life and you invite the Holy Spirit to come and live on the inside of you. And His Spirit, the Spirit of God, connects with your spirit and makes your spirit alive again. And then you can connect with your spirit. This really happened to me. And, you know, uh, the moment I was born again, the moment I received God into my life, the moment that I was really baptized in the Spirit, it was like my relationship ceased to be religious and it became real and, and it became so dynamic. Now, you can be in church all your life and be equally as lost as many who have never darkened the door of a church. Here Jesus made it very clear what was required, that every man, every woman, every person must be born again. So it's incredibly important that our relationship with the Holy Spirit is real and that our engagement with the Holy Spirit is life-giving. I just want to take a moment to read some of the promises about the Holy Spirit to us because all the way through the scripture, God has made promises. And the promise of the Holy Spirit is one of the most amazing things. That God, uh, you know, promised that he would pour out his spirit. He promised there in Genesis chapter 28. He, he spoke prophetically about the church. But, you know, when Jesus came and walked the earth several times, Jesus pointed to the future and, and he promised that he would send the Holy Spirit so that he would help us fulfill his will and our mission on the earth. This is Joel chapter 2.28. It says, And it shall come to pass afterwards, or in the latter days, some versions say, that I will pour my Spirit out on all flesh, and that your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions and also on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days the prophet Joel by the spirit of the Lord spoke about what happened uh, Jesus also said in John chapter 14 verse 17 I think I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper cannot come. In other words, Jesus said to his disciples in John chapter 14, I must go so that the helper can come. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in his last words in the Gospels, in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 18 to 20, when he was giving the church their job description, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and I will be with you even to the ends of the age. You know, what Jesus was doing here is he was giving the church our fabulous job description. 
I believe that I have the best job on the earth. And here is the job description. It, you know, the job description for any pastor is to go into the world and to make disciples of the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do just what Jesus said. That is jo God's job description for, for the church. And guess what? That's your job description. You know, we should never, ever be bored around church because we have all got a job to do and it is a, a shared job description. But Jesus said, you know, I, I wanted to talk about this because, you know, it's an absolute miracle if just one person can come to Christ and really find faith. It's just not something that happens easily, but it will happen if God is involved. And I've often thinking, gee, Jesus, this is a tough job description you gave us. And, uh, you know, sometimes we can have all sorts of frustrations, you know, leading church or being in church life. But here Jesus gave the real key to a successful mission in a city or in a region. He said, I am with you even to the ends of the age. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Because right now, Jesus is not here. According to the scripture, he is seated in the heavenlies at the right hand of the Father. But you are here, and I am here, and his Holy Spirit is here. So this is why it is so important that we know who the Holy Spirit is, and we know what his role is, and we can partner with him in that. One of the great promises, of course, is Acts chapter 1.8 that says, but Jesus, Jesus said this just before he ascended into the heavens. He instructed them to go to the upper room and to wait until the Holy Spirit was poured out. And he said this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I think right now we're somewhere out there near the ends of the earth. So what God started there, we're finishing it. And you know, the Holy Spirit is just as real now as he was on the day of the Pentecost. You shall receive power. The word power actually comes from the Greek word dunamis. Which, which is dynamic. It's like dynamite. Uh, you know, I think this is remarkable. This is the potential of the church. And, you know, uh, when you read the book of Ephesians, there in chapter 3, verse about 18, it's talking about the exceeding greatness of his power that is walking towards us who believe. So God is doing something and God has made his spirit available so that we can do what we need to do in this season. What happened in the upper room was local and began a global movement. What God is doing right now is global. And we just had our first global Passover lockdown. And I believe that we are entering right now into an amazing season we entered in at Passover, and now we have come to a very special Pentecost, and I believe that God is going to do something new. You know, I listen to a lot of what uh, prophetic people say, and, uh, you know, some have been saying, well, this one could be a literal Pentecost. Uh, who knows? All I know is that God will pour out his spirit. God will give us an increase and I believe that God is ramping up the church and he is doing something by his spirit in the church because there are very exciting days ahead. You know, this is what I really believe. I know in my heart that God has already started to do something and we are right in the midst of it. And I want to speak to our city builders community and to those who are connected with us, and I want to say this together uh, to you once again, as I have said in the weeks gone by, that you are living in the times and seasons of God. 
And I know that my spiritual father, Dr. Jonathan David, when he came here to open this building in August, he said, city builders, you are living in the times and seasons of God. Mark my words, we are. So this is an extraordinary work of the Holy Spirit. So what is God doing in the church? What is the Holy Spirit's role in the church? I wanted to talk about that this morning. Firstly, the Holy Spirit is preparing the church to emerge in this new season. Um, you know, I, I uh, believe that God is doing something very special. Uh, in Psalm 127, the scripture says there, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it work in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. God is always at work building in his his house and this is the role of the Holy Spirit and uh, you know two months ago we went into lockdown but I'm looking forward to the global re-emergence of the church in the nations because I believe probably for the first time God has really got our attention and he's brought us right back to the basics you know the basics of Passover and the basics of Pentecost and and, you know, we'll be looking forward to the Feast of Atonement uh, and the Feast of Tabernacles later on these years because these are significant truths that God is restoring to the church. I believe that the church that emerges from the lockdown is going to be different. Do you believe me? Amen. I'm speaking to the right crowd, I hope to. Hope to. I believe that the church that emerges, it may look the same, but the internal dynamics will have changed. So this is not just the church on the corner. I believe that the day of the little church down there on the corner is coming to an end. Something new is happening. If we embrace the change, the Holy Spirit is looking, what emerges will be a transformation. It's a bit like the butterfly emerging from the cocoon. So God is wanting to transform his church. And this is a time where God is preparing his church to emerge into a new season. I know this has affected our own church dramatically. Uh, you know, as we've gathered for our Zoom prayer meetings, um, we've had, you know, uh, an amazing amount of people turning up to those. And it's been great to see God just doing something in the old people, you know, the middle-aged people, the young people, and even in the little children. We've really seen just, it's like these little children really finding God and finding him in a very personal way. Uh, this week was very special because I want to tell you about a dream I had. I have lots of dreams and, you know, God seems to speak to me that way. But an email came to me, and, and the email was addressed to the City Builders Church. And in the email, it said, update uh, available. And it had spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, this was uh, Wednesday morning that this happened, and I shared with the people uh, on the uh, prayer meeting what had happened. And the next morning as we prayed, it was really remarkable because people really began to prophesy. And really, even the little children began to prophesy. It was so exciting. Now listen, this is what the scripture says in Joel chapter 2, 28. I read it before. It says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and my sons and daughters will prophesy. It's a sign. So, so, you know, God is beginning to do something. I want to encourage you this morning that the future is not to be church usual. It is to be the church unusual. God wants to reset the church so that we become everything that God has called us to be. Because, you know, honestly, I've been doing this for a long time and I never ever think, oh, gee, I wish I could go and retire on the beach. I never feel that. I believe this is the most, my superannuation wouldn't allow me anyway, but the reality is that I believe that we are entering into the most exciting time. And, you know, on the day of Pentecost, uh, when they were in, the, in one place, one accord, and God poured out his spirit, 
Uh, Peter actually quoted that scripture as though it was fulfilled. But if you remember what I said before, you know, when, when prophets speak in the Old Testament, there is a prophetic fulfillment of those words. And he said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And that happened, you know, on the day of Pentecost. But now God's doing it again. And, and uh, it's bigger and it's better because that was one locality. But now God is pouring out his spirit in churches like this in every locality. At least every locality where people are really turning their hearts to God and pushing into God, God is going to release a new dimension of the Holy Spirit to prepare the church to emerge from the lockdown. It, it might have been a quiet, sleepy, dysfunctional church that went into the lockdown, but there's going to be something in that time where as we re-emerge, it's going to be a powered-up church, ready to do what God has asked us to do. So that's the first point. Number one, the Holy Spirit is preparing the church to emerge in this new season. Number two, the Holy Spirit is making the assignment clear. I gave you there in Matthew chapter 28 the general job description of the church. I've been a pastor now for quite a while and I remember when I was originally asked to lead the church and appointed to church leadership, I was quite excited about it after I got used to the idea because I knew that God had wanted me to do it. But I've been through a number of phases of asking, what is the church really? Why do we have a church here? Why is there another church just down the road? Why is there another church down here? And I believe it is because we have not yet really discovered what the heart of God is and what the purpose of God is for his church. Number two this morning is, the Holy Spirit is making the assignment more clear. And this has got to happen. You know, because sometimes my assignment, the way I interpret it, is to lead the church and to grow a church and to be a successful church. But that is not necessarily what God has called us all to do. You know, God has called us further than the church. The church is the meeting place. The church is the gathering place. But that's not really the church. The church is bigger than that. The church is citywide. The church is regional. And the church can have a national influence. I honestly believe that God is still revealing to us what is the mystery of his church. I remember about... Oh, it's probably 13 or 14 years ago now, uh, Dr. Tundi Bakari, an apostle from Nigeria, who is likely to be the next president of Nigeria uh, and, and leads the latter rain assembly in Lagos, a large, uh, a very large church. He ran a series that I listened to and it was called What is Church? And it really made me revisit everything that I believe church to be. Because, see, God's got a far greater uh, plan for the church than what we can see or understand. And it's not really just about church. The role of the church is to bring the kingdom. Amen? And we need to have that kingdom mindset on the inside of us. So the Holy Spirit is making the Lord clear. And when uh, Jacob came into that place toward Haran, and it says he came to a certain place, and he dreamed a dream. And, and uh, you know, he saw a ladder with the angels uh, descending and ascending, and he heard the Lord speaking. I believe one of the main things that brings the church to life is the way that the Lord speaks. Uh, see, the Holy Spirit is making the assignment clear. And the voice of the Lord must be there for that to happen. 
the clearer the voice of the Lord is, in other words, when we really begin to focus on what we should begin to focus on, the Lord will speak. Amen. That is the job of the Holy Spirit, is to bring the voice of the Lord through in the church loud and clear. So over the years, I've been trying to uh, kind of sort this thing out. What is our assignment? And I know that many of my colleagues, because you see, you know, uh, the church is global. The church is, and, and every, um, you know, local church has a different dimension of, uh, you know, grace on it. It's got different people. So if I begin to see someone else and think that's what I've got to be, I'll misunderstand my own assignment. So I need to understand what my assignment is. City builders, we need to clearly understand what our assignment is. And this is where, you know, I've been talking about, there's been a thread running through my messages over the last couple of months about the importance of the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge, and, and, uh, in the knowledge of him. This is very important that we have that dimension of God's spirit flowing through us. It says in uh, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 18, God is progressively unfolding. And without the, without the progressive revelation, it says that people will dwell carelessly. So it is like our assignment is progressively being revealed to us. Year one, I felt my assignment was to preach a great message every Sunday. That was what I understood. But then as the time has gone by, God's added to me. And revelation and understanding has been added to me. And now I'm seeing my assignment in the city and in the, in the region as being quite different to how it started out. You see, it's a progressive revelation and it is a progressive understanding. And this is where one of the features of every local church must be that God is speaking there. Now I know that it is me that's bringing the message this morning. But in everything that we do, in our, uh, in our worship and, and, and through our, uh, the message that we are communicating to the city, the region, the nation, is that the voice of the Lord must be the central thing. And this is the role of the Holy Spirit uh, because, you see, it is what the Spirit of the Lord is dropping into our heart. It's, it's God speaks in the heaven and then God quickens the word on the inside of us and we're able to speak that out and, and it is the word of God that begins to bring change in, in, a, uh, in a certain environment. So God is aligning the churches with his purpose and I believe that our church, this church, this city builders church is more and more becoming... You know, it, it, it's sort of been through a number of stages, but you can see now that it is like a base. You know, it's like a hub. It's like a, you know, it's like a spiritual womb. You know, there's something going on there. God is birthing something in our house, you know, and, and you know that. That is what God is doing. And these are all the stages that God brings you through. And it makes me think of what churches, those little churches used to be that they were hubs of divine activity, that they were meeting points. The community used to come together. You know, and now I believe in the nation that many people in cities are, are just lost, you know, that they, they don't know where to go. They don't know what to connect to in a time of real crisis. But God is going to raise his church again. So number one, the Holy Spirit is preparing his church to emerge in this new season. Number two, the Holy Spirit is making our assignment all the more clear. Number three, the Holy Spirit not only birthed the church, but he is bringing it to stature. 1 John 5, 14, it says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. In other words, whatever God started overcomes the world. If God started it, he will bring it to completion. Is that right? This is what God wants to do. The Holy Spirit not only birthed the church, but he is bringing it to stature. Now on the day of Pentecost, God birthed the church. The church was born. It didn't have a name over the door. 
They called them the way, but I'll tell you what it was. It was the church of the living God. And this morning, you know, we might have a name over the door, but I'll tell you what church I belong to and what church I represent. The same church that was birthed in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. This church is the church of the living God. And we are part of what God is doing in the city. And we are part of what God is doing in the region. And we are part of what God is doing in the nation. So the church that I belong to is the church that Jacob saw in his dream. It is the church that God revealed to Peter in Matthew chapter 16. And it is the church that was birthed in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit not only birthed the church, but now he is bringing it to stature. He's bringing it to stature. You know, it's not all about numerical growth. It's nice to have new people come to church. You know, on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were added to the church that day. That's amazing. And God is adding to our church, even during this season of lockdown. He has been adding to us. But more importantly, God wants to bring the church to stature. This is a place, uh, you know, where it's like, uh, how would I explain it? In John chapter 1, it says, To as many as received him, he gave them the right to be called children. But now he wants us to become sons. So there is this growth from being a child to an adult. And I believe that God wants to bring the church that he has birthed through a stage so that it becomes an accurate representation of him in the city. And uh, I've been in Ephesians a lot these days. And I'll just go here and I'll read this. This is in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, verse 1, it says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, speaking to the church in Ephesus, to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. God has called us. And then in verse 7, it says, But to each one of us, grace was giving, given unto, according to the measure of God's grace. And then down in verse 11, it says, And he gave some to be apostles and prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ." In other words, when God birthed the church in the city, he wants that church to come to a place of maturity. And it's a place, uh, you know, where there is a unity of faith and there is a knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know, when a church is full, fully grown and fully matured in the city, it should be like Jesus is in that city. Amen? And that is the challenge for us today. You know, the best way that we can win most of the battles and the struggles that we are going through is to allow the grace of God to cause us to grow up. So the Holy Spirit is not only birthed, the, uh, the Holy Spirit not only birthed the church, but he is bringing it to stature. And that is my prayer for this church and for those that we're connected with. Number four, the Holy Spirit is releasing every resource for the assignment. The Holy Spirit is releasing every resource for the assignment. I'm talking about the call, the call of God. God places the leadership in the church that's needed. Uh, he puts the ministries in the church that are needed. The Holy Spirit puts the gifts in the church that are needed. That's why they're called the gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit 
calls the, puts the skills in the church. You know, I love teaching about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the nine gifts. But do you know what? There are more gifts. There are gifts of administration, leadership. And there are many talents. You know, there are the people who make this work. These are gifts that the Holy Spirit has put in the church so that we can complete our assignment. So the Holy Spirit is releasing every resource. I want you to know this, that when God gives you an assignment, he will give you every resource to complete that assignment. It's remarkable. This has been my experience, that the journey over the years has been to see God provide for us in the most supernatural and remarkable ways. And I want to speak to you this morning, and I want you to know that God does not want you to be without. This is what the Bible says in James chapter 2. It says, Every good thing and every perfect thing comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no shadow or turning. Every good gift. God has got good gifts for you as an individual. You know, God does not want to withhold one good things for you. So what you need, God will give to you. And sometimes God's got to remove things that are obstacles. Old things that are not so good, so that he can give you better in this season ahead. This is the heart of God. This is the God that I know. So the Holy Spirit is releasing every resource just say that after me now. The Holy Spirit is releasing every resource for the assignment. The Holy Spirit has been downloaded into the inner man. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. But now I am here and the Holy Spirit has been downloaded onto the inside of me Every blessing is in the heavens, but his spirit lives on the inside. And this is what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Something really happened when you invited the Holy Spirit in. And he is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The inheritance is on the inside. Do you know where the resources for the church of the future are? Sometimes we go looking outside and sometimes you've got to, but according to the Bible... The inheritance is on the inside of every believer. There's something great in you, if you could only realise that. And there's something great in the person who sits next to you. There's something great on the inside of the people that you live with. And this is the inheritance that God has put on the inside. And, and it's like those things need to be tapped the Holy Spirit is releasing every resource for the assignment. Number five, the Holy Spirit is preparing us for the future. Pentecost is about God coming to dwell by his spirit in the hearts of men and women. Oh, wow, this excites me. To me, this is one of the most amazing, amazing, amazing miracles is that the God who created heaven now has come to dwell on the inside. Paul said to the church in Corinthians, he said, in Corinth, he said, don't you know that the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside you? Don't you know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? Man, if you could get that, this is what it means. The God who created the heavens has deposited on the inside of me, a dimension of his spirit. He lives on the inside of me now. I am connected with him. And that is when you listen to me speak, you will pick up a little bit about what God is saying about you. 
And those who are listening, they'll hear and they'll pick up what God is saying to the churches. Because even though I prepared the message, it is like the Holy Spirit is my helper. It's remarkable what a partnership with the Holy Spirit looks like. This is how the Holy Spirit works in the church. You know, we cannot afford to make the mistake of marginalising the Holy Spirit by pushing him out of the way. We need to bring him back to the centre. That is, I believe, what is very significant about this Passover and this Pentecost globally is that we need to make room for him. You know, I like that. Even just as I said that, I just felt something happening there. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to come. You know, the Holy Spirit is not forceful. He can be. But he's like a dove. You know, uh, when Jesus went down to the river, the Bible said that the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove in bodily form. And the thing about a dove, doves are easy frightened away. But the Holy Spirit is like a dove and we need to make room for him. We need to invite him. We need to love him and want him to come. You know, my dream is that as this church grows and develops, that the Holy Spirit will become the center, the leader, the guide. So Pentecost is about God coming to dwell and to live on the inside. Jesus fulfilled the just requirement of the Old Testament law so that each one of us could become cleansed as vessels so that now the Holy Spirit can come from heaven and dwell on the inside. You know, it does not really matter if I'm not perfect. It does not matter if you have failings because now I'm a child of God and his spirit lives on the inside of me. It's a wonderful miracle. It's extraordinary. It's something you can really begin to get excited about. Don't you realize that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit? This is the game changer. So the Holy Spirit is preparing us corporately, individually, but corporately for the future. And this Pentecost, I believe, is the game changer. In Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, the prophet Haggai, it's a very short uh, book in the Old Testament, one of the shortest. It says, the glory of the latter house is greater than the former. In other words, you know, you could hardly recognize the church that Jacob was talking about. It was just a concept in his mind. It was a definite encounter that he had, but it was like, a concept. And then there is the church in, in the wilderness which we didn't even call the church because it had not yet been revealed. Then Peter began to get a picture. But then the church was birthed. And every generation, the church is going to shine brighter. The church is going to become more accurate. Amen. Uh, you know, we're going to become more aligned with what God wants because the Holy Spirit is going to lead us. Hey, today is the day of Pentecost. God can do whatever he wants. You know, if there are tongues of fire begin to, you know, uh, uh, pour out over you at the end of my message, I'll be very happy. But I tell you what, this I do know. God is is restoring another dimension of his Holy Spirit to the church globally. And it's like we are going to know him like never before. This is a great time to be alive. This is so important because I'll tell you now, the future of the nation depends on what kind of church emerges in the years ahead. So we have an assignment to fulfill. So the last, the last point, point number six this morning, is that the Holy Spirit must lead. He will lead us into all truth. I want to read from John chapter 14, verse 15. 
Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will send you another helper that he may abide with you forever. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. The spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him because he will dwell with you and in you. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. This is a major, major role of the Holy Spirit in the church because we are living now in a time which is regarded as post-truth. And, and uh, you know, we've lost sight of the truth. But Jesus, when he came into the earth, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But here, the promise is, the spirit of truth will be released upon the church. The spirit of truth, who the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you will know him because he dwells with you and will be in you. Amen. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I am just, uh, you know, honoured to be here and to be able to bring the word to you and to talk about a subject that is just remarkable, the precious Holy Spirit. And... Uh, I want you in this season ahead, I want to encourage you to open your life to him and to give him room. You know, the Holy Spirit, as I said before, is like a gentleman. He's not going to force his way anywhere. And in, in uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, the word there says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him. This is a promise of the word. And then it says in the next verse, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. Listen to what the Spirit is saying. What is God wanting you to do? What is God wanting from you? Then just open the door of your life and let him come in this morning. Father, I just thank you for today and I thank you for your word. And Lord God, it is just a great joy to be able to celebrate Passover today. And we thank you for what you are going to do in the months, the days, the weeks, the months ahead. And Lord God, I believe that uh, the church of the latter days will be far greater than the former. Lord God, I believe that you are releasing a grace to help us transition into everything you want us to be. Father, lead us, I pray. Guide us, Lord God. And this morning, I just pray for a supernatural outpouring over this church, over the people that are connected with us. Father, I pray for an increase, an increase of your presence, an increase of your wisdom and your spirit. Father, make our hearts your home, I pray in Jesus' name. Now, if you were here for the very first time today and listening in, and you're not sure where you are with God, I would just like to lead you through a prayer that may really help you. I want to introduce you to our God and Father. Just pray after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in prayer and ask you for forgiveness of my sins. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross at Calvary that I might be forgiven and have eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. Father, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and I ask you right now to come into my life and be my personal Lord and Saviour. I turn from my sin 
and will follow you all the days of my life because your word is truth. I confess with my mouth that I am born again and cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. Father, I just pray for a real release of peace into the hearts. And I thank you for today in Jesus' name.